We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into the Thursday, May the uh, 4th. Although I just realized it's going to be all the May the Force be with you. May the Fourth be with you day, all day long. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Maybe Jeffrey is. We'll talk to him in just a minute. Jeffrey Wright will join momentarily on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. It is the Oxford Exxon podcast uh, for those that are uh, looking for uh, Ole Miss baseball. Chase Parham and uh, Brian Rippey posted a uh, pretty big uh, baseball centric, Ole Miss baseball centric uh, podcast. Earlier this morning, that came before Chase was able to confirm a tip that I got yesterday. I sent it to him. He spent the evening working on it. Uh, Hunter Elliott, Ole Miss's ace, who has pitched very sparingly this season, had Tommy John surgery uh, yesterday, what I was told. I think Chase has confirmed that. He's still working to find out whether that was the uh, the full Tommy John or whether what they kind of call a bridge Tommy John, which is sort of what I suspect. Uh, but anyway, we'll get more details on that. But that podcast is available for you in the stream. We'll have a hand raised, guys, tonight. It's pre-recorded uh, also. So uh, Jeffrey Wright will join momentarily. Again, Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Don't forget, go to uh, Twitter and hashtag uh, Rebel Ready and at Oxford Exxon. And you can get uh, grandstand, I mean, the really good box seat tickets to the uh, series and I guess season SEC season finale of uh, Ole Miss and uh, I think it's Auburn in a couple of weeks. So that's there for you. And if you're in the uh, Clinton area, don't forget to stop by the blue sky and get those uh, fresh homemade donuts, especially if you play uh, soccer for Clinton high school, get you a couple dozen before practice today, make it a, make it a good, uh, a good day for you there. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. Clark Ford in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. Get your quote, and then the rest is up to you. Shop it around and do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright joins on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. 
if you are a um, displaced corporate executive or you wanted to put your career in your own hands, if you're an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help you. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free, so you have nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or call him at 404-973-9901. Speaking of, Jeffrey Wright, kind enough to uh, join us now. Jeffrey, how are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? Man, I, uh, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm good. It's a beautiful Thursday morning here. Got a busy day ahead, but woke up. and I, I'm, I'm, How much of your mood is dictated by the fact that my baseball team is 10 games under 500 and looks just absolutely dreadful? You know, I wasn't going to start there, but we will. Um, first, the Shohei Otani show is just, e- even when the guy ties his freaking shoes it, it's it's spectacular I, I i love him he's going to devastate me in november i know that uh he beat the cards uh why, why are you getting your hopes up i don't know i mean isn't the appropriate way to do this you you just tell yourself he's going to la and then that way if he does happen to go to chicago then it's like the best day of your life sports yeah. fan yeah and, and, I, and I do wedding everything aside <sighs> I do think he is going to um, to L.A. I think he's going to be a Dodger. But it makes so much sense for the Cubs, and they have cl- they've cleared the payroll, and so they could do it. They could do anything. Uh, I'm going to stop you here. <clears throat> this is the problem. I don't disagree with that, but like you cannot, as a sports fan, allow yourself to go there. No, I know you're right. You're right, and I need to stop. I need to go back to hopeless and cynical and. Yeah, the the Ricketts, all they do is all, they just care about printing and making money. The fact that they have the fact that they have money to spend just means that's extra profit for them. That's that's the thinking you have to go with. I know, I know. And then there's a part of me though that looks back at the decisions that they made involving Rizzo and Bryant and Baez, and I go, you know, I'm not sure they made a wrong decision there. Like they gave Hayward the bad money. But at the time, it looked like a good contract. Yeah. And, and, and that contract comes off the books. The Lester contract was genius. They, they didn't re-sign Bryant, who's a shell of himself. They, they didn't give Anthony Rizzo the kind of money that he wanted. And it was the right move. He's still a good player, but he's not a great player. He's not a $30 million player. They, they, they cut ties with Javier Baez. And as much as I love Javi, he's a shell of himself. Um, they didn't give Wilson Contreras the huge deal. Made perfect sense. Um, so I keep thinking maybe they're gonna be smart. Like they gave, I gave a good contract to Swanson. They gave a smart contract to Hap. A smart contract to Nico Horner. I keep thinking just maybe, but you're right. I need to get cynical. If you're, uh, so what's up with what's up with your Cardinals though? Are you worried? Because look, the Cubs were supposed to be a 500 team. They're a 500 team. The Cardinals were supposed to be a contender. They were supposed to be the best team in the division, and right now they're not. I mean, I need to preface everything by acknowledging I understand that I am incredibly spoiled as a baseball fan. Half of my life has resulted in a playoff appearance. Four World Series appearances, two World Series titles. Like I, I, I want to be perfectly clear. I am not someone that wakes up and thinks, you know, the Cardinals 
deserve to be deserve, the Cardinals deserve to be a contender each and every year. The problem that I have with this team, though, is you know they're unwatchable. They they don't really play hard. Um, the pitching was always going to be an issue. I mean, it is. I don't think Cardinals fans that were upset last off season that they didn't that they didn't do anything with really with the pitching staff. I don't think that those people were irrational. I think the the biggest. I mean, obviously, Marmol's going to end up being the scapegoat. I'm also, though, at this point, I'm not sure that, like, he doesn't deserve to be fired because, you know, when you watch them play, like, I don't I don't think you have to be the best team in baseball, but, like, you do have to try. And it just feels like so many times I'm watching, like, they don't even try. They look lifeless. Well, when you don't pitch well and you don't hit well, and you're kind of yes. an oh, and yes. you're kind of an older yes. team. You can look lifeless, even if you can look like the, the effort's not there. You can look flat, even when obviously they're major league players. They're trying, but they got. Yeah, I mean, they they run the risk of getting a little old, don't they? Oh, I mean, there's there's no question on that. But I mean, like to me, the 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 thing that's significant is everyone wants to focus on the pitching, and they're twentieth in runs allowed. Neil, they're 20th and runs scored too. Like, you know what I mean? I, I It seems like everyone just wants to focus on the pitching as the problem. I think primarily because the more likable players are the position players and the hitters. And to me, it's like, no, they're, it's, it's not like this team is like Boston where they hit the absolute cover off the baseball and they can't get anyone out. Like they're not exactly lighting it up at the plate. No, they're not. They're like middle of the pack offensively. I was looking. I was pulling up their stats um, right here. They're. I'm having a hard time reading this with my old eyes, but they're. They're like thirteenth offensively, and their pitching is in the mid to late twenties, which is which yeah. is bad. I mean, that's not a great combination. Is it too late though? The ten and twenty-one, still one hundred and thirty-one games left. There's still lots of time. Do you see a scenario where they figure it out? Because it's an incredibly winnable division. I mean, Pittsburgh, as good of a story as Pittsburgh is, this isn't going to continue. I mean, the the Pirates are, I'm pulling it up, uh, the Pirates. 20. Yeah, the Pirates are 20 and 11. They're a game and a half over Milwaukee, who's 18 and 12. The Cubs are 15 and 15. Four and a half back Cincinnati, 13 and 18, seven back. The Cardinals already 10 games back of the lead, but eight and a half behind Milwaukee, which is probably the team that you're watching. That's a huge gap, but Milwaukee's got issues as well. And they have decisions to make if they don't look like they're a real contender at the deadline, because they've got some guys that are going to walk away at the end of the season and they need to get something for them. I mean, is there a path? Sure. Because if you look at while Pittsburgh's 20 and 11, they've only played 11 games against teams above 500 whereas the Cardinals in their 31 games have played 21 teams above 500. Like, I do think the schedule somewhat plays into this, but you just look at a team and you sit there and you go, all right, like, like let's, let's go through the rotation. I mean, are we really excited about Adam Wainwright coming back? Like, no. yeah, he's, you know what I mean? Like he's, you know, he's, he is a significant part of this franchise, but like the same time, it's like if your answer to your woes is a 40 year old that can't break 90 coming back, like feels like you probably have some deeper issues. I mean, I think the biggest problem is 
when you get old, you have a tendency to get old in a hurry. And maybe more quickly than even you suspect. And I think probably another big part of this is, you know, you've got good players, but I think there's probably a leadership void. Um, I'm going to switch gears in a second. I will say this, their, their run differential, which I think you can pay a lot of attention to. I mean, it can fool you, but run differentials typically, like the Braves, for example, 21 and 10, their run differentials plus 56. They're, they're playing dominant uh, dominant baseball. The Dodgers have a, a plus 42. Um, Pittsburgh is plus 38. So, I mean, they're, they're doing some things. Milwaukee's the, Rays, pl- the Rays are plus 113. Turns out a team is 25 and 6. Plus 113 seems to correlate. Yeah, Minnesota's a leader at plus 23. The Rangers are playing very good baseball. They're plus 69 in, in a division that has four teams that are plus and one that is awful in Oakland at minus 123. But St. Louis is, is minus 19, which would put them at fourth in the division. The Cubs actually have the best run differential. They've just lost so many close games. They're plus 43. I don't know. I, I still think St. Louis has plenty of time, but you're right. It, 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 they're one of those teams that if it – they have some really difficult decisions to make as an organization if this continues into like mid-July and you yep. look up and you go, hey, we're not going to win. They've got they got a bunch of old guys. they got to start thinking about – because I mean, they have some good young players, but they got to think about moving on. Speaking of doing that, I want to get to the NBA because more people, I think, are more interested in your thoughts on. Uh, we officially become a playoff sport. Agreed. Yes, the NBA is a playoff sport. The re- regular season only matters in terms of getting into the playoffs. Yep. It that's all that matters is you get in, and that that's it. Uh, Memphis got in, lost to the lost to the Lakers. It feels to me, and I know this is harsh, it feels to me like the Grizzlies are, maybe rightfully so, making Dylan Brooks the the, the scapegoat for the, the early exit. And I'm, I'm curious if you agree with that, and if so, kind of your thoughts on whether that is a little too convenient. Because it feels like for the Grizzlies to make that next move, to get to the Western Conference Finals, to get to the NBA Finals, to win a title, there has to be a, a an overall maturation. It can't just be, hey, Dylan Brooks is gone. Uh, we're we're better now since he's out out of the out of the door. We don't have to change anything else. We're good. Yeah, is this a simple addition by subtraction issue? I'm going to say no. There's a couple of things though with the Dylan Brooks story to keep in mind. And first, let's start here. The report did not come from the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies do not leak to shams. They are, they've never been a Shams team. Their team spokesman is Adrian Wojnarowski. When they want to leak something, it goes to Woj. Okay. So this did not come from the Grizzlies. And then I was very disappointed. There's people that I think that are uh, intelligent and, and informed that, that just ran with, oh, this is the Grizzlies trying to scapegoat Dylan Brooks. But it is also true I believe on Sunday that they came to that Dylan was informed he would not be back. Now, I don't think that he was informed under any circumstances. Like, I don't think it was some dramatic, like, don't let the door hit you in your ass. Like, you're not coming back. Like, I don't think it was like that. I think that a large part of the issue was Dylan wanted an expanded role. And he has been consistent in talking about, like, he doesn't like his offensive role. And I think that was the biggest reason why the Grizzlies in the end made the decision to move on. 
there is a role for Dylan Brooks in the NBA. It's just not what he wants it to be or if it, for it to be what he wants it to be, which is, you know, he's getting, if not the most shots on the team, the second most shots on the team, it's going to be on a very bad team. Now, the bigger issue that the Grizzlies have, nothing has changed from the deadline, Neil. They made an aggressive play to get OG Ananobi, and it wasn't enough. Now, it wasn't enough for anyone, so perhaps maybe you come back and and now Toronto's more willing to make a, a deal now than they were at the deadline because they thought at the deadline they could use desperation. I know everyone keeps... The pipe dream is Mikhail Bridges. I just do not think the Nets are. I think the Nets want to build around Bridges at this point. I do too. And I don't see that. <clears throat> I do too. I don't see that being the option. I do too. So I, th- I think. At- I think. I think Brooklyn likes, even though they had a quick exit. I think Brooklyn yeah. looks at where they were when the whole Katie Kyrie thing was going on and where they are today. And I think they go, "Whew, we're in a better spot. Let's build around these guys." Yeah. No. And I. And I think that that's a completely reasonable thing to do. Okay, so then you start to look at, okay, well, what are some other options? Everyone seems to be, I don't know where all the Chris Middleton stuff is coming from because, and again, like, I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying I don't understand it because Chris Middleton has a $40 million player option. Either he's going to exercise that player option or if he doesn't, he's going to have more money either from the Bucks or from elsewhere. And the Grizzlies have a math problem. So with Middleton, I don't know. I think what it's, it's setting up for, Neil, is maybe it, you're not going to quote-unquote make a deal that wins the press conference. But it seems likely to me that Kennard ends up becoming your starting three. Bain will play the two, and then you add some type of you add some type of vet with the mid-level exception. You know, do you bring Jay Crowder back? Perhaps. I mean, they do have like they need someone in that locker room that can be the adult, and more importantly, they need someone in the locker room that Ja will listen to, and Jay does fit that mold. I still don't know if that's the best use of the money, but I, I think that's kind of where we're headed. And as disappointing as the season ended, I mean, you, I think you're starting to kind of see with context, like, you know, this Lakers team, you know, maybe, maybe it was unfortunate that you wound up playing the Lakers as the seventh seed because, you know, are, do I think they're going to win a title? No. Do I think they're going to win the West. No, but, looking like that that was a fairly competitive a fairly competitive seven game series that ended up getting decided in game four you had a seven point lead and you weren't able to close it out in the fourth quarter so like maybe they're not as maybe they're not as far off as the mood seems does that make sense yeah i don't think they're far off at all i mean i think they ran into a super hot lakers team that figured something out late in the season you and I talked about it one day. I think I was out walking the dogs, and we were talking, and I said, LeBron's kind of out right now, and the Lakers are sort of going through Anthony Davis. And when LeBron comes back, if he's willing to occasionally take a back seat and let the game go through Davis, the Lakers are scary as hell. And that's kind of what and happened. 
I give him credit because I didn't know if he could do that because late in the season, it did not feel like that that's what he was doing. And I give him all the credit in the world, despite all the, like the Dylan Brooks noise and whatnot. I mean, LeBron settled for threes, but Neil, he's not been, it's not been the offense runs through me. I mean, he has really been a, a, he's been a facilitator. Oh, he has their game. One win over uh, golden state, which was a terrific basketball game. He, he let Anthony Davis be the guy. I mean, he had moments where he took over it, but he did a lot of, like you said, a lot of facilitating. He he plays a lot of good two man with uh, with Reeves. He makes yeah, sure he that he makes sure that other guys get involved. Um, and then there were some key moments in that game where LeBron five years ago would have justifiably been like, okay, I'm the guy here. Go, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take over now. And instead, he they let AD do it. I think LeBron obviously is smart enough to know this is going to be a long series. He's going to need a lot of energy. He can't do all of this by himself at 38, not against the Warriors, and and he's getting other guys incorporated. I I think this I think that series has a chance to go seven games and and it's going to be a lot of fun. And but yeah, I, I don't think Memphis is far off at all. I, I think it comes down to this with with Memphis. I really do. It's a it's a star driven league. And Memphis has a supporting cast around Morant. It it has everything to do with John Morant taking that next step and becoming the leader of the team, a guy that's dependable, a guy that uh, that's kind of out there 75 nights a, a season who grows up, doesn't have the off-the-court distractions, is, is locked in in a way that, I mean, if you look around the league and you look at the teams that are truly competitive right now, Denver, Boston, the Lakers, um, I guess Philly to some degree, maybe maybe to a lot of degrees. But those teams, those teams, you kind of know who you can count on, and those teams don't have a lot of off the court stuff. They're pretty locked in. I mean, you know, you don't you don't hear about Nikola Jokic being an off the court distraction. You you don't hear about Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown having issues off the floor. Everything's pretty basketball oriented. I mean, Joel Embiid's question mark is health, right? It's but it's never yeah. it's never other stuff. And that's what Ja has to do. And if he doesn't, I think Memphis is a contender. And if he doesn't, I I think their window's gonna close on him eventually. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't really like about the narrative is that so much of the criticism should be directed more towards Ja then it should be like, it ends up becoming a quote unquote, Oh, the Grizzlies are young. That's not really fair to Jaron Jackson jr. Who is a professional. That's not really fair to Desmond Bain who talks on the floor, but Desmond Bain's got like a young son. Like he goes home to his house and like eats. like this isn't like some, this isn't like too, too much of it should be focused at jaw, yep. but there is inherent you know, in this city, there is this idea that if you have Ja, like you can't criticize Ja because you'll run him out of town. And I know we talked about it last week. Like, you know, at a certain point, he does have to grow up. I still think, though, in the end, I don't think Ja is going to wind up becoming this elite shooter. And I think that then begs the question, okay, what is, you know, what's his ceiling as a player if he's not an elite shooter? It's still a very, very good player. But 
name me name me the best player on a championship team. I mean, let's when do you think basketball really hand check? Is that the is that when you think we kind of get into the modern modern basketball when hand checking started to get called as a foul? Yeah, probably so. Because you go back and you watch. I was talking about this with somebody else the other day. You go back and watch like those Bulls Piston series when it was Isaiah Thomas and Lambeer and all those guys against Jordan and Pippen, and it was a totally different game. Yeah, and so you know, even okay. So if you say I'll, I'll even go back. Okay, well, let's say Bird and Magic. Okay. When, when the NBA when becomes when it clearly becomes a viable product. Nineteen eighty. Okay, so if you go back to eighty. Isaiah and Steph are probably the only the only NBA champions where your best players not six six, right? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, I think I mean I'd have to think about it a little bit, but yeah, I think that's more than fair. And Isaiah, I think you can put into a category, okay, well, the game the game was different, and Isaiah had a hell of a team around him, but with Steph the clear distinction for me with Steph is Steph is a type of generational shooter that we've never seen. I just think you're going to run into the problems with Ja unless he becomes that type of shooter. Well, him being the best player on the team, you're always going to wind up in these same scenarios where in the playoffs, people are going to pack it in the paint and he's going to have to try and go up over four defenders. Well, that hasn't really proven to be a winning formula. The thing that has been very obvious to me, though, during the playoffs, we can we can fantasy book rosters all we want. The thing that has really seemed to me to be the difference between winning and losing is shot making. And I think the Grizzlies have been too hyper focused on, well, we've got to get someone that's switchable and can shoot. Well, Neil, how many teams out there want a wing that's six, seven, can defend every position? Oh, and he can shoot. Well, you just described like an awesome basketball player. Everybody wants that. Yeah, everybody's looking so for that guy. You're not going to find perfect. I think that there just needs to be a deeper emphasis on them. If I'm adding guys, I care more about shot making because the Grizzlies have been very good defensively the last two seasons. And yet the same thing got them beat. They just couldn't make enough shots. Yeah, I, I've listened to people talk about, um, more specifically about the Thunder, but I think it applies to any small market. They, they, their point is whenever you have an opportunity to draft a big wing who can shoot it or who you think will develop a shot, you should take him in the draft. You should take as many of those swings as you can, hoping that you hit on one or two, because you can always find a big in the free agent market who will come anywhere because the bigs are it's a Steven Adams, a, a, a Nerlens Noel, those kinds of people. You can always get those kinds of guys in free agency because they're, they're available and you can find point guards to come be a backup point or whatever, but to, to get wings and the wings are going to be the ones that get all the money. They're going to be the ones that, you know, the Paul George type players, you're not going to get them to sign free agent deals for the most part in small markets. So if you can get them in the draft, you get them and, that's what, you know, that's what to me is interesting about, about Memphis. They've got this, I think, incredibly underrated big in, in Jaron Jackson Jr. And they've got Ja, and they've got Bain. And you mentioned Kennard, who's a, 
an electric shooter, it's you wonder if you know. That's why I was curious about Brooks. I thought, I thought personally, if if I'm Memphis, I bring him back. I just bite my tongue and I bring him back, and because because he he was a wing who can score. I mean, I know he shot too much and his shot selection sucks sometimes, but I kept thinking, well, maybe he'll kind of work his way out of that a little bit. And as a team, if you keep them together and let them let them have this quote bad experience of getting eliminated in the first round that they'd come back a different team I was that was the part that surprised me a little bit I kind of thought they would just bring him back because he just made sense for their roster and I don't know exactly how you replace him on the roster in a in a small market yeah there's a couple of things there let's let's start first with Brooks because it's fresh on the mind so with Dylan I know behind the scenes everyone keeps doing the well when Dylan was talking they said publicly you know they supported him I know for a fact that a significant conversation was had with Dylan after the first comment about LeBron, which was a fairly innocuous comment. It's like, you know, it was right at the start of the series. Like, oh, yeah, we'd like to play the Lakers. You know, that'd be a good first round matchup, you know, playing a legend and seven game series and, and knocking him out in the first round. I know that there was a significant conversation had with him about not doing that. And then he did the LeBron, he's old, poking the bear, all that. You got so, yeah, to get 40 on me for me to respect you and all that, right? <clears throat> yeah. And so I think that was the moment. I think they were leaning towards not bringing him back in general. I think that was the moment that solidified it for them because they just decided like, okay, well, we, we can't just have message not be received and ignored. The other thing that's important with Dylan with the Shams report, the most interesting, or at least I thought the biggest detail in his report, and it went completely glossed over because that's how we are with the NBA. We're dramatic. The biggest detail that was glossed over was that the Grizzlies did indeed offer him an extension. We all suspected that the Grizzlies had offered him the extension that the biggest extension they could, which was, I think, I think at the time it was four years. 60 million, somewhere around there. Like those are kind of the numbers. So 15 a year. Dylan's agent looked at the free agent wing market and said, you know, hey man, the salary cap's going up. Like we can do better than this. And so he turns it down. And by the way, both of those decisions, I think at the time that they occurred were the appropriate decision. I think the Grizzlies trying to lock up Dylan at that price point was an appropriate decision. I think Dylan turning that down at that moment in time was an appropriate decision. Well, now flash forward to January where the Grizzlies now are starting to get healthier at this time. And you have Des back on the floor and the amount of shots that Dylan is getting is decreasing because Dylan does not need to be in the top three shot takers on, you know, on a great, on a great team or on any team. Yeah. I mean, if he wants to go put up 30 shots on the Rockets, have that at buddy. Yeah. Yeah. But, sure. Know, I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I don't care. I don't care. I like, can see him I, landing I in Houston, by the way, that organization is so poorly run. They just, they, they just, I could see the, the Rockets go, Oh yeah, it makes sense. Let's add, let's add Dylan Brooks. And then, Houston is the one franchise that has a chance to ruin Victor Wimbanyama. They're it. Oh, 
He's oh, in anywhere else. He's a superstar. Oh, there's no question on that. But I do think it's also important to note. I think that started to weigh on him. The contract started to weigh on him. Yeah. And then he started, he was, this was more than just missing shots. He was clearly mentally in a funk and he's always been a brash player, but Neil, like the, the, he's old, like I'm going to poke the bear. Like even by Dylan's standards, that was, that was just so far out there. And I think we saw someone where, you know, you don't know what that next paycheck's going to be. Like, I think we saw someone have kind of like a freak out. And I, I just think that's kind of, I think that that needs to be kind of, when you apply like all the context, I think that needs to be remembered at least. And then, you know, in terms of, in terms of like what, they do in the wings it's fascinating because i think a big problem and a big part of like in the end the dylan brooks issue we've talked about this with football we've talked about this you know all the teams that we've covered neil half the time when you've got a player that frustrates you as a fan base most of the time it's not that player's fault it's usually the fault of the roster that that player's having to have that role yep the problem with the Grizzlies is they've been trying to improve that position and they've not been able to do so to your point about the draft. Well, the Grizzlies took a big swing on Zaire Williams. Didn't have a productive college season, but they tried to write it off as, you know, it's COVID year at Stanford. It was weird. And, and you know, we like his traits. Zaire coming into the season, like there's some optimism. He'd gotten a little bit of playoff experience. He'd had a really good summer. And there was there was reason for optimism that maybe this guy, maybe not at the start of the season, but maybe by the end of the season, he could kind of take over that role. Well, he's a 21-year-old still growing, literally. And he starts the year off with that knee issue. And so it's two months off. He never gets going. And then he clearly got into a funk when he came back and and lo and behold, it's just a completely wasted year. I don't think the Grizzlies can depend on, well, maybe our answer is Zaire, but I think kind of the, the issue that we're seeing is, man, where they're picking in the draft, it's really hard for them to, to just take that kind of difference-making wing. Agreed completely. A couple of quick thoughts before I get it. Someone has a Hugh Freeze question, and I do want to get your answer to it. Uh, just kind right. of quick thoughts here. Philly wins game one without Joel Embiid. You're like, oh, God, Celtics, something, something might be wrong. Joel Embiid wins the MVP trophy, as he deserved to, comes back for game two, pretty ineffective, and Boston just blows Philly out in game two. Looks like a championship team in game two. Uh, a lot of dichotomy there. What do, you, what do you sort of expect the rest of the way? Is that, is that the Celtics team we're going to see the rest of this series, or is this going to be one of these seesaw deals? My only concern with the Celtics is not roster dependent. I just, you know, at a certain point when you, your head coach is your head coach because you had to fire, you had to fire your head coach and promote somebody that quickly. Like he's had some into game stuff that you're like, mm, man, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. But <clears throat> if they can get past Philly, I mean, 
maybe I'm going to be proven completely wrong and hand up if if so, but I just am not afraid of Miami or the Knicks. Mm-mm. And maybe maybe I'm being dumb with Miami because hey, in the end, the two games that Giannis played fully, the Heat won both of them, and the even game one they won, but Giannis got hurt. Well, speaking of um, coaching, we don't give Eric Spolstra nearly enough credit. I've been here. I think he's the best coach in the league. I do too. I, I think he's, I think he's he is never, the single best one. His teams never suck, and it's not like oh they do it with with overwhelming talent. Um, the biggest story to me though about last night, Neil, it's got to be the size of the knee brace, right? On 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 uh, on Embiid. Joel Embiid, yeah, and and he didn't move well. I mean, he if you you know look, I mean he's. He is such an amazing player, and he's so athletic, and he, you know, for his size, and he he was a little clunky, and I I thought maybe it's that, maybe he's not completely held. I was surprised they played him. I I told Chase yesterday I would have sat him in game two and said, hey, we stole one, let's buy another couple of days. Game two doesn't quote matter end quote. The goal was to get one in Boston. We got it. Let's just let's. Let's see if we can't get him completely healthy when we get back for game three. And obviously they felt differently, but he did not look healthy to me. I completely agree. And so then, then you wind up in this like weird situation of style of play because, you know, credit to Harden. I mean, that performance in game one was unbelievable. I mean, that was just such elite shot making and you know, that's, that's the it type was, of but it, it it wasn't a sustainable effort. I mean, that's that's it, he's not going to do that yeah. seven times. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I just feel like Boston has more. Like when you just look at the the rosters, Boston's roster looks better to me. Denver's playing incredibly well right now. They're healthy. They're, they're, Jokic is he didn't win the MVP, but he's been the MVP of the playoffs so far. He and probably Steph Curry. Is there a uh, is there any scenario where a, a Chris Paul less Phoenix team makes this a series, or is this potentially a quick a quick out for Phoenix? I mean, to me, the other thing about the Paul injury was he's playing and they're up eight. He pulls his groin, and then all of a sudden they can't do anything offensively. To me, they're in the same spot that the Warriors were in when they had Durant, and you get injuries. When you trade that much to go and get, you know, essentially the elite three or four guys, your bench is just going to be just so bad. And we saw that like when, when Paul went out, even though like, let's be clear, Chris Paul is nowhere near like peak of his powers, Chris Paul, but the drop off from him is just so bad. Like they couldn't even just get into offensive sets. And obviously Durant, Durant shooting as poorly as he did. And then Booker finally cooling off like that had something to do with it. But it just feels like the rest of their roster is so is not up to snuff. And then further, like it still feels like with the Suns, they're still kind of a figuring it out process. Like I, they don't seem comfortable on the floor yet to me. Yeah, uh, I, Ryan Rosillo made a great point in his podcast earlier in the week that they still look like a team that's figuring out the new guy. And this, I think that's a simple point. What's that? That's a Simmons point. <laughs> they look like it's still figuring out. Yeah, I just think they, they don't have chemistry yet. And you've got these two elite players in Booker and Durant that are both kind of ball dominant. 
and you've got Chris Paul out there who's absolutely ball dominant, and now you're like dependent on Cameron Payne in a series against a Denver team that has been together for Shout a long them. time. Yes, I, I, I'm I'm with you. And yeah. again, I could be proven wrong on that. Like, I still want to see like, okay, they still haven't lost at home yet. I'm kind of in this mood where when someone when goes up 2-0, it's like, all right, I got to see them. I got to see them break serve first. But Denver to me, Denver to me looks like they're clearly the best team in the West. I agree. I th- I think they're the favorite over whoever wins this Lakers Warriors thing. And And here's the thing. If Denver wins quickly and the Warriors and Lakers have to go slug it out for seven games there might not I mean someone whoever it is is going to take it to six games but but Denver might just be so fresh that it, it might be too much for them to overcome all right we got a question I know you got to go in a minute so I want to get to this uh, Fabius wants to know says I'd love another mm-hmm. Jeffrey take on Hugh Freeze for example does he get a kick out of his being at Auburn or and does he agree with another podcaster and I don't know who he's referring to that Freeze has no desire to hurt Ole Miss football is he is he referring to Godfrey? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Not listening. Godfrey did a solo show on, on Freeze, and I'm not listening to that. Um, Stephen is still pretty obsessed with Hugh. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, I think Steven feels like, I don't know, I guess if I were talking to Steven, I would say, like, I think Steven feels like Hugh ruined his reputation and hurt his career in ways that I don't think is true. Like, Steven seems to me to be doing pretty well. Um, but again, like, that's, that's, you know, he's got more information. Yeah, I think Steven I'm- feels like he had a lot in that NCAA thing and that it just it never got the traction that he thought that story was going to get for whatever reason or reasons. And I think there's some not maybe I don't know if it's bitterness. I, I think he was frustrated that Ole Miss stonewalled him at times the way that, that it did. 
Yeah, I think he, and he, I think he feels used by Ole Miss. Sure. Um, how do I feel about Freeze at, at Auburn? I don't. Maybe, and again, hand up. I could be wrong. I, I'm just not worried. I, I, everything that I see, I don't think the Auburn job. I don't think the Auburn job is nearly as good as the expectations are. It's obviously still a good job. But do I think he's going to beat Alabama and Georgia? No. I mean, you're already seeing, like, look at look at his first, like, public comments about, I just didn't think recruiting would be like this. And I just don't think he is cut out for, I think he is a relationships guy. And relationships, in my opinion, is code for under the table. And I think now it has become such a business and it is a matter of how much money do you have in your salary cap? And Auburn, I don't think is there. I mean, he's never developed a quarterback. Um, everyone, like he doesn't have a scheme advantage anymore. And particularly like in tight games, he's not great. You know, he, he gets tight too. And once the pressure starts to ramp up, I just, I just don't think he's cut out for, for that world. I think, I think he should have stayed at Liberty and made five to $7 million for the rest of his life. I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I know he wanted to get back into the sec. He was putting out feelers. If, if Kiffin took the, if Kiffin had taken the Auburn job, he was, he was going to campaign hard for the Ole Miss job, even though he would not have had any chance. Um, if Mississippi State had opened up, he was going to go after that job hard. He wanted to coach in the league again so bad, but he had it made at Liberty, man, because he could out-coach people at Liberty. They were going to be able to out-fund those types of programs. He was going to dominate that league, and they were going to pay him an absolute fortune, fortune and treat him like a deity. And he's in for a he's in for a rude awakening in Auburn if it doesn't go well and go well fairly quickly. They don't care about anything there except the whole winning and and, and winning the Auburn way and all of that stuff. And look, Saban and them might be starting to turn the lights off a little bit, but the lights are awfully bright and it's going to take a while for him to to go out. And but Georgia and you got to beat Georgia at Auburn too. Georgia's a damn force and they're going nowhere anytime soon. I mean that's. Again, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but like, I, I, you know, everyone makes the joke that like, I'm obsessed with him. I don't even really think about him that much anymore. Like I, I, it used to just drive part of me pushing back as strongly as I did was there was this narrative that like, he was just this perfect fix out there, just waiting for someone to like snatch him up and save them. I just don't believe he's that. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I know you got to go. What, what are you guys talking about today? Oh, boy, your guess is as good as mine. Probably <laughs> Star Wars, you know. <laughs> are you a Star Wars guy? I am a Star Wars guy, but I'm not the Star Wars guy that shoves Star Wars down your throat. Yeah, I had no idea. As well as I know you, I didn't know I, that you were a Star Wars guy. As a kid, I liked the movies when they came out in the theater and stuff, but I, I've never watched any of the new ones. I, I just haven't been able to get myself into that. Yeah, you'll be okay. Yeah. I think your life will be, you can die and your life will still, you'll be okay. Hey man, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Be good.
That was Jeffrey Wright on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. I'll take some of you guys' questions in the stream and at RebelGrove.com here in just a minute. First, I do want to tell you that we're brought to you by Lake Hill Motors in Corinth, Mississippi. It's a family-owned dealership in operation for more than 60 years. They have a service department with more than 100 years of combined experience. When another dealer can't repair something, the manufacturer usually sends it to Lake Hill Motors. If you're looking for motorcycles, four-wheelers, side-by-side, scooters, generators, Wave runners, lawnmowers, compact tractors, and more. Lake Hill has it from Honda, Yamaha, Bobcat, Hyson, KO, and other name brands. Contact Michael McCullough in uh, Corinth at 662-871-6918 or visit him in person at 2003 Highway 72 uh, East Annex in Corinth. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po' boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, uh, check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. The College Corners, your one-stop Rebel shop. they got two locations in the Jackson area. You can also re- reach them at collegecornerstore.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram. We'll have a hand-raised guys uh, tonight. Like I said, it is pre-recorded. It's brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Uh, if you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or that area, call Comer 662801 one seven seven seven. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or that area, call Southern 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock start at just $1, no matter what the retail value may be. So shop now at astock.bid. Again, that's astock.bid. Brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic, multivitamin, and supplement company. Uh, created uh, by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. Check them out on solutionsrx.com. They're also available in local independent pharmacies across the continental U.S. Use the promo code OEP at checkout. Get 10% off your first order. It's graduation season. Dead Soxy has your favorite grad's feet covered. Every journey begins with the first steps to make it count. Gift your grad premium Dead Soxy socks. Get 30% off using the promo code REBELGROVE at uh, deadsoxy.com. Dot com. Game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch used before or while you drink. The overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will uh, keep you in the game ready for your next play. Go to GameChangerPatch.com and enter the promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Uh, Austin says, Hey Neil, I hope you're doing good, man. Quick question with all this realignment talk this week in college football. Do you think the sec stays at 16 going forward? I don't. Um, I appear to be somewhat in the minority on this. I anticipate in July at sec media days in Nashville that Greg Sankey is going to talk about this. I've always found that Sankey is uh, very careful but he's somewhat cryptic, and I think sometimes if you just listen to his answers and, and put your opinions aside and listen to him, you uh, you get the impression that he knows what's coming. Um, I'm on record here. I don't know how long it takes. Maybe it maybe it just takes maybe it takes another six seven years. Maybe it only takes one or two. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is falling apart. That's obvious. Uh, the Big Ten's going to add Washington and Oregon at a discount. That's going to put them at 18. Uh, I think you're going to see the Big 12 add the the four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, I think is who it is. Um, and then after that, 
Notre Dame's asking for $75 million a year from NBC, which I took as a, a, an absolute fascinating gambit on their part. They're either going to get it or they're going to shop, likely to the Big Ten. And if that happens, the SEC has no choice but to go raid the ACC at that point and get the schools that they've targeted for quite some time, North Carolina, Virginia, and then whoever else. And then, man, if you're, if you're left over after that, Good luck to you in, in this in this market with the streaming money and the TV money that the Big Ten's going to get, that the SEC's going to get. If you're left out, even the Big 12 is going to get a, a, a decent amount. If you're left out beyond that, it's going to be hard to compete unless you're willing to admit that you're a Sunbelt caliber school. Uh, let's see. Triple Mass says, do the Cubs bring up Mervis this year? And when does Morrell get back up? Yeah, I, I think... Not to delve too deep into the into the Cub stuff because people are tired of it, but I I think if you watch them play, and I've watched most of their thirty games so far, they're fifteen and fifteen heading into today's finale against Washington. Uh, Hosmer's not playing well. He's he's a butcher at first base. They keep talking about the Gold Glove, but the Gold Glove was a long time ago. Um, he's not hitting at all. Mancini's hitting and actually hitting fairly well, and Mancini plays a decent first base. Um, I think a Mervis-Mancini platoon, where Mervis gets most of the first base action and where Mancini plays some first base, can DH some, I think that makes a ton of sense. And then uh, Christopher Morrell. Uh, Christopher Morrell has to come up soon, the way he's hitting. I mean, he, at some point, a prospect just calls himself up. And I think Morell's about there. And the problem for Morell with the Cubs is where do you put him? Because last season they moved him around. They put him at second. They put him at short. Some they they put him all over the outfield. But this year they're a little more settled. I mean, you're not taking Dansby Swanson out of the lineup. You're not taking Nico Horner out of the lineup. So that eliminates the middle of the of the infield. Patrick Wisdom has 11 home runs. Uh, just missed his 12th last night. You're you're keeping Wisdom's bat in the lineup. You could DH Wisdom. You could put Morell at third and let him be a consistent third baseman, and and he's he's adequate there. Um, he's he's best in the outfield. Last year he played a lot of center field. He's not going to play center field now with with Cody Bellinger playing the way he's playing. And you've got long term deals with Seiya Suzuki and right and Ian Happ and left. So those guys are playing that position, and and Happ's having a great season. So I the problem for Morell is just kind of where he fits, but he's hitting to the point where you have to figure it out and. But um, they have they have no choice on on Mervis. Mervis needs to come up. Plus, Matt Mervis is twenty five years old. He's not like a twenty one year old where you can excuse the whole. Hey, we're going to give him some more seasoning. It's time for him to play. So I think that happens sooner rather than later. Especially if they keep losing one run games where Hosmer is completely unproductive in, in big moments, the way that he was last night in the night. Uh, let's see. We had some questions at rebelgrove.com. Uh, Fabius wants to know uh, any and all informed opinions regarding the linebacker position at Ole Miss this fall. So they've got Kari Coleman and Ashanti Sistrunk back. They added Monty Montgomery from Louisville, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste from UCF from the transfer portal. Uh, they've got uh, Sunterine Perkins coming in in the fall. Look, I'm I'm never going to pretend to be the football expert, but 
watching as much as I did in the spring, I was concerned about uh, linebacker. I went into it kind of concerned about front seven, thinking front seven was going to be a big issue for them. And actually, I think they're better up front than I thought they would be. I think they're better up front than Lane Kiffin thought they would be. Uh, linebacker's a concern. I, Montgomery's a good player. Uh, they might have struck gold again for the third time. Chance Campbell, Troy Brown, and now Monty Montgomery. Um, John Baptiste was was a pleasant surprise. Um, the other guys are, you know, you know what you get in Ashanti Sistrunk. You, you're, he's, he's dependable. He's not going to be a, a big time playmaker. Uh, Coleman was good at times last season. I, I just think. Unless Perkins comes in and is super impactful right off the bat. And look, he's good enough to do that. That could easily happen. I just think you have to be careful counting on true freshmen, even great true freshmen. And I think I think uh, Perkins will be a great player at Ole Miss. But when you're counting on true freshmen, that, that can be a, a mistake. I, I think, though, that if you look at what they're trying to do in the portal, which appears to be mostly counting on and adding some defensive backs, um, maybe they feel better about it than they thought they would. Uh, they're, they're a little thin, but, you know, that, that that probably applies to most teams in the league right now. You, it's really hard to build depth with the transfer portal. It's hard to build quality depth when guys can jump in the portal as quickly as they can. So all in all, I think, uh, I think, I think they're okay at linebacker, but they're going to have to score points. I don't think it's going to be a great defense. Uh, Rebel RX asked if the cards are uh, – are done at 10 games out. Jeffrey talked about that a little bit. I don't think they're done, but I think they have I think they have some real issues. It's hard to it's hard to watch them pitch night in and night out and feel like it's a certainty that that uh, they write the ship. You got a lot going on there. You got to think that some of the bats in their lineup that are struggling are, are going to get hot and come around. It's it's just early May, but Ask me in a month. They have another month like the one they just had. They'll be buried. Uh, Hattiesburg Reb says, thoughts on Bruce Pearl's comments this week? Um, I assume you mean his political comments. Um, I, one of the things I like about Bruce Pearl is that there's more to him than just basketball. I like that he has um, a willingness to express his political views, especially in an environment where those views are probably not widely accepted uh, I always think his thoughts are uh, are well thought out and um, I wish more people felt comfortable expressing themselves politically and I wish there was less pushback when people do uh, but you get the a lot of people uh, in in my field kind of push back on on Pearl and say stick to sports stick to stick to basketball I don't I don't think that's fair. Um, I just don't think it's fair to do that to people. I mean, it's he shouldn't have to. He, his life shouldn't be only basketball. That's that's ridiculous. Um, let's see. Chase isn't here to discuss the 500 days of summer. I don't even know what that is. Um, North Tampa says, if you were Mincy, referring to Ben Mintz, what would be your next move, both short-term and long-term? So for those who missed it, um, Ben Mintz, who's a friend of our podcast, was fired uh, by Barstool, I guess, late yesterday. 
after his, uh, I think it was Monday morning show that he read the lyrics to a rap song. The lyrics uh, included a racial slur that you just cannot say. And he said it. And at the time, I watched the kind of the tape of it. And you could tell, you could tell right away that he knew, uh-oh, this was not good. Um, I was a little surprised just based on kind of Barstool's sort of rebellious reputation. I think that's fair. I'm not a big Barstool guy. I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but I, I respect what Portnoy and all those guys have built. They've made a ton of money, and they have a unique product. I was a little surprised that that he was fired. Um, at first, when I listened to Portnoy yesterday, I thought it was a bit of a gimmick, and then I realized that, nope, it's um, it wasn't a gimmick. It's real. Um, you know, he explained it said Penn viewed it as something that that could cost them licensing and um, Penn's dependent on licensing and I felt terrible for Ben because obviously Ben made a mistake I've gotten to know Ben a good bit over the last couple of years Ben's not a political person Ben is not a racist um, at all He's not even someone who thinks like that. He's just kind of this goofy guy who fell into success in a way, but he had worked so hard to get to that place. And what I hate, what I really hated about it was that if you just in the last week, Ben had raised a bunch of money for charity uh, with his with his 10K that he ran in 57 plus minutes. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's gotten healthy. He's been sober for a couple of years now. Um, he's been open about his struggles in the past, and and I just hated it. I hated it for for uh, for him. Um, you just can't say that word. You can't do what you can't do what he does, which is be on camera all the time and say that word. It's something you just can't do and he did it and uh even though he was I, the part that I really hate and I'm not excusing Ben for it but I don't know whether he got sort of set up did somebody I don't even know what the say I don't watch the shows so I don't know whether that's a regular segment where he reads lyrics but if that was the case you'd love to think that someone said hey man understand in this particular song there's a word that you can't say. You know what that word is. Don't say it. Skip it. Um, and that didn't happen, obviously. And, yeah, someone said you could see his soul sort of leave his body. You could. You almost could see right away him go, oh, God. And there was no coming back from it. And I, it just happened. I hate it. Um, I don't know what else to say. What would I do if I were him short term? Um, probably lay low. I wouldn't go on some grand apology tour. He's already apologized. It wasn't a malicious thing. I think everyone admits, everyone knows that, that that was, it wasn't a malicious act on his part. He wasn't trying to hurt anyone. He's apologized. That's enough. Um, 
What does he do long term? I don't know because I don't. Like people were, I think it was mostly jokingly, were like, hey, you should try to hire him at Rebel Grove. And my response was to do what? I mean, he doesn't cover anything. We, we, we cover sports. We, I'm our lead football guy, and Chase helps with football, and I cover basketball, and Chase covers baseball, and I help Michael Luker with recruiting, and, and we, we, we have other stuff that we – I don't know what Ben would, quote, cover. And then in terms of, of podcasting, I don't know what podcast Ben adds. That's, that's his thing is that I think he had found this perfect job for him at Barstool, and there's not really another Barstool to go to. So I don't I don't know where he goes from here, but he's a resourceful guy. He knows a lot of people, especially in Louisiana, and maybe he can land something in 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 that market where he's beloved, and where he's kind of found a home in Baton Rouge, New Orleans. I'm I'm hoping for his sake that that's kind of what happens. Um, I agree with some people who say the punishment didn't fit the crime. I. I I agree, and for Barstool, they kind of have this brand, and 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 now you the the brand sort of takes a hit when you when you fire him for that. Uh, brought to you by ACS Automation and Control Systems LLC. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider based out of Baldwin, Mississippi. You can reach them at acsllcms.com or call six six two. 601-4381. I'll have a mind on my money brought to you by Pinnacle a little later today. It's mypinwealth.com. We're also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Uh, if you're thinking about traveling this summer or the holidays or whatever, you want a trip that creates a lifetime of unique memories, get in touch with John, 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. If you're coming to Oxford anytime soon, make OPA a part of your uh, stop. Fabulous food. Craft libations as well. It's Oxford's newest Greek restaurant on the square. It's a great place for uh, lunch, dinner, just a place to hang out at OPA on the square in Oxford. I got a mailbag that I put up late yesterday. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. You can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. If you're looking for a job, they can help you. If your company is looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, they can help you as well. 662-832-5138 or servicespecialistltd.com. You can get the beautiful, healthy smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Uh, They've got advanced treatments including implants and Invisalign. They'll help you with uh, achieve your smile goals. It's CorinthDental.com. Again, CorinthDental.com. And then we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. You can learn more about them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. Uh, let's see if anybody has anything else. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about, about mints. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know what I would have done there. I don't, I don't know what the conversations were with with, with Barstool and Penn. When Barstool sold to Penn, they made a ton of money. They got into the gambling space. It was a big deal for them. But obviously, they they handed over a lot of um, a lot of decision making power at that time. And um, I'm curious to see what happens with Barstool because I think Ben was very popular there. That's part of their thing now, and 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 
Portnoy, to his credit, said as much. Dave Portnoy said yesterday that he told Penn that this decision had a chance to sort of crater Barstool because that's that's um, it's kind of their rebellious brand in a way. So the whole cancel, cancel culture kind of thing. Uh, Austin says, uh, hey, Neil, in all seriousness, I'm thinking about going on AG1, referring to Athletic Greens. Is it worth it, and what benefits do you see from it? Look, I like it. Um, it's worth it for me. Um, I'm obviously was trying to lose a lot of weight. Um, I'm now trying to kind of keep that weight off and, and just make sure that I stay healthy and, and that kind of thing. And AG1 for me is just kind of a good way to start the day. It prevents me from not really fasting as much as I was, but I, I don't, I still skip a lot of meals. I think it kind of helps me, frankly, not get super hungry and uh, helps me not overeat and some of the stuff that I've done in the past that made me as fat as I was. So, um, yeah, it works for me. It's it's good for your gut health. Um, I think if you do a lot of exercise and working out, whether it's AG1 or, or some other equivalent, unless you are a really disciplined eater, uh, I think it, I think it's a, a major help. Uh, my thoughts on Hunter Elliott's injury handling. I don't know. I don't, I don't cover the team. I don't, I don't know what all went on behind the scenes with that. Um, I know from talking to people that Hunter was pretty obsessed with the idea of getting surgery from the very beginning. And uh, I think initially he felt like it was going when the, he felt like at least what I've been told is he felt like there would be a full tear when he went and did the first MRI and that wasn't the case. And they went and got a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth opinion. And it was a partial tear. And I just don't think Hunter completely trusted um, the rehab process completely trusted the idea of moving forward without surgery. And he just didn't um, feel like he could air it out, if you will, is what I've heard. Um, obviously, he pitched the uh, against LSU 40 pitches or whatnot and didn't look like himself, didn't feel like himself, was very frustrated. And then I think after that, they felt like there was probably a setback. And I think it was just one of those things where he – Felt like for him to pitch and be who he is, he needed to get the surgery. And again, as I said at the beginning, we're going to find out whether this was a full surgery, the full UCL, or whether it was this uh, newer procedure that uh, some doctors are doing that's kind of a, uh, a, a a bridge is how I've heard it referred to. It's kind of a partial reconstruction where a pitcher can be back in 8 to 10 months as opposed to where it is now, which is kind of that 12-month thing. Obviously, from an Ole Miss baseball perspective, he's done for this season. The question is, you know, could he be back in March to pitch SEC play? I think that's that's certainly possible. That's probably the hope. That's probably the plan. Just it's a matter of different people come back from that differently. And so um, what you that's what we'll we'll find out we'll know more about that i think in the coming days and chase will learn more when he talks to more people i i heard about this yesterday i called chase i was like hey you need to work on this probably right now and it turns out it was right so he'll find out more it's it's only about 14 15 hours that he's known about it uh tyler wants to know uh if uh prescription support and and 
Solutions RX uh, has um, medicine for type 1 or type 2 diabetes, just go to solutionsrx.com and uh, give them a call, contact them, and, and you can find out. Um, last couple of things. Um, yeah, JM says MRIs are not 100% conclusive for UCL tears. Um, yeah, he, he was just not confident in the words that he was told. And, you know, look, when you, when I've, I've, I've never thrown 90 plus miles an hour, but if you're a pitcher and you know you have a partial tear and every single pitch you're thinking, is this the pitch where it pops? Is this the pitch where I tear it? I don't know how you can, as a 19, 20-year-old guy, I don't know how you can put that in the back of your mind or, or take that out of your mind. I think that's just front of mind at that point. And, you know, he wants to pitch in the major leagues. He has the the the, the ability to pitch in the major leagues. I'm sure this was something that was just weighing on him and, you hope for his sake that the surgery is successful and then he comes back healthy and confident, and whether that's at Ole Miss or whether that's professionally or whatever, that that um, he gets the opportunity to do that. But very clearly he was not able to uh, trust that the rehab process was going to be sufficient. Simple as that. I can't judge that. Nobody can. Um, he, he, um, uh, it's his, it's his decision to make, and, and he and, and, and the people around him made it, and, and um, you wish him the best. Uh, Georgia says, Mike said after the Little Rock game, he didn't know anything about Hunter. I, I don't know. I, again, I don't, I don't cover that team. I'm not around them, so I can't, I can't speak to that. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, Triple Mass says he umpired a lot of Hunter's games when he was younger. The kids seemed to throw every game. The damage is done with these young guys in travel ball. We can pretend that's not the case, and it's not across the board in travel ball, and that's where people push back. There are absolutely coaches and programs that that are absolutely careful with young guys not to overthrow them, and uh, they protect them. That is absolutely the truth. It is also absolutely the truth that there are lots of programs and coaches that don't, that want to win the South Haven U13 tournament so bad that they will absolutely hurt a kid. Period. I've seen it. So, and I don't, I can't speak to what Hunter's background was. I don't know. But you look around and you see all of these injuries in college baseball. There's tons of them. Look around the SEC. There's so many teams that are now down two, three, four pitchers on their staffs with elbow injuries. It's not an accident. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. These are guys that when they're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, they're pitching way too much all year. They're throwing way too hard. They're throwing uh, pitches that they probably shouldn't be pitching yet. There's too much emphasis with a lot of travel teams. There's too much emphasis on um, winning, frankly. You know, you 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 know as a as a travel coach that when these guys play high school ball, when they have Tupelo or Oxford or Corinth or whatever across the front of their jerseys, they're gonna play really, really hard. They're gonna they're gonna try really hard to win. There's a lot of school pride in young people. You see it, I see it in soccer. And you you know when they go play travel ball, when they play club, that is that the emphasis there should be on development. It should not be on 
winning a stupid tournament that nobody's ever going to remember. And that happens a whole lot. I'm not saying it happened to Hunter, but it happens a whole lot. Uh, Georgia Reb says uh, Chris Beard will work his tail off. I might have missed one. Oh, oh, Matt Browning says, um, let's see, how optimistic am I about um, what Chris Beard is doing? He's working his ass off. I'll tell you that. Um, they they are recruiting relentlessly. It is nonstop with that staff. They they are around the clock recruiting, uh, rebuilding a roster. Um, but we talked about this. There's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of NIL challenges uh, right now with um, with uh, everybody. The cost of the cost of player procurement in the transfer portal is higher today than it was a year ago. And that's a challenge. Uh, they have said consistently over there that they're they're going to rebuild the roster uh, at their pace. They're not in a hurry. So, um, you know, I, they're they're. I think they'll bring guys in. I, they'll have a good roster. I think they're going to be a, a contender to make the tournament next season. But uh, there's still a lot of work to do, and it's a very competitive landscape. The SEC is going to be very good. But um, he has said consistently that if it takes till August to put the roster together, he'll he'll take his time and 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 wait till August. He's not going to do a lot of reaching. So uh, there's a lot of basketball. I think three, four spots still available on that team, and they'll they'll fill them. Uh, last couple of things: Are we going to have McCready and Siski? Yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be live today at two. We'll tape again on Monday, and then uh, we will not. We'll just have one show next week. I'm going to be out of pocket the end of uh, the end of next week. So. It'll be a short podcast week for me next week, both uh, here and and uh, with McCready and Siski. So I'll be out after uh, after Wednesday. Uh, I think that's it. So we'll uh, we'll shut it down there. Um, there was one more question that I had. I think it was uh, Austin says, if I were president for 24 hours, but everything I put into law would stand, what would I do? I don't know. I'd Believe it or not, I would be a very common sense, pragmatic leader, which is what I think our country desperately needs. And right now, those types of people can't get the nomination in either party. And that's where we're flawed. The extreme on both sides is what dominates. Even though I think the overwhelming majority of the American populace is fairly moderate about most things. I think most people are fairly commonsensical, which is the crazy thing about why we're so crazy right now. I think you can blame it on media. You can blame it on social media. But most of all, you can blame it on the two parties. Both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party are run by the extreme. And so there's no middle ground. And that's how you get some of the election choices that we've had the last few cycles and probably what we're going to get again this time. So. Anyway, thank you to uh, Jeffrey Wright for his time today on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Again, Chase and Brian have a, a podcast that's up uh, in the feed. You can listen to it. It's not on. It's not on stream. You can listen to it on um, Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get our podcast. Uh, I'll be. Uh, I'll bring you a hand raise, guys, tonight. Chase talked to uh, former Ole Miss walk-on football player John Williamson, who's now the bowling coach at Vanderbilt. They just won 
uh, their third national title. They talk about bowling, the science of bowling, how it's unlike um, amateurs on that are out on Friday night at the lanes and talk about Tim Corbin's baseball staff and some of um, some of that kind of thing. So some talk about life as well. I'll put that in the stream this evening, and that will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. We'll be back uh, on Monday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. So until then, uh, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.